Uh, if you have a Bible with you, um, I'm going to go ahead and get you to find Matthew chapter 7. If you don't have a Bible, um, that's too bad. Usually I have Bibles available, but I see they, they're used up. It's all right. There's a couple there. If you need a Bible, grab one of those. You can use the Bible on your smartphone or whatever. Um, we, won't, we won't judge what you use for a Bible. You know me. I love using a paper Bible because with a pen, you can underline, you can make notes in the margins. There's nothing sacrilegious about that. Children up through sixth grade are heading for children's church. As we get back, part nine in our series in the Sermon on the Mount um, called Better Than Good. Today we're talking about planks and pearls, part nine in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter seven. I'll let you go ahead and find that while I show you some some pictures. By the way, I just love the artwork we've had for this series. And uh, thanks to um, uh, Logan Willems in our church, who's done that for us. Um, so I've got a picture here and I, I want to get your sort of reaction. I would I, you don't have to say it out loud, but I'm curious to know what your like visceral response is. Like, how do you feel about this? You know, do you look in these, for example, because we've got a couple uh, homeless folks here in Fresno. Do you, when you see that for real, do you have disdain? Do you have like, oh, disgust? Do you like, oh man, I feel so bad for them. Do you have compassion? Um, do, you, do, you, do you laugh at them? What's, how do you respond? What about this one? We've got a, a picture here of, of a guy who's uh, done some tattoos. He's got, uh, had some plugs. And you, you, this is not uncommon in Fresno. And when you see that, do you have... What's the response in your heart? Like, how do you feel about that? What do you, how do you react um, to those? Do you, do you, you know, is it, is it, isn't it easy to quickly pass judgment on somebody just by what we see, right? What about this guy? This guy's name is, this guy's name is Vinny. It's, it is a guy. His name is Vinny O. He's uh, gone through a bunch of surgeries. He's from California. His goal is to become an androgynous alien. That's his desire. And this popped up on my news feed a while back and, and, uh, People's comments were un, just unbelievably brutal and harsh. What a, you know, just terrible name-calling. And I, and I said, well, what's your reaction? Like, I, I just think, oh, my heart just breaks for the guy. Like, what happened in his life that he felt like that was going to, that would be the way to go? It, you're kind of, I'm curious, like, when you see somebody or something... How do you respond? Because what we're talking today, one of the things we're talking about is judgment, how we judge. Now, if you see this guy, you can judge him all you like. Because if, I just say this, if you're going to get a tattoo with words, make sure your tattoo artist knows how to spell. Otherwise, you really are kind of a fool. And that one, I'll judge that guy. Just saying, that was just dumb. Like, come on, really? That's the best you can do. My goodness. So, um, honestly, t- Fail tattoos are the best, aren't they? They're just hilarious. I just think they're really funny. That's part of my judgmental nature coming out, isn't it? Isn't that crazy how quickly that comes out? Because you've no doubt heard people saying, well, don't judge me. Or like, well, judge not or you'll be judged, right? Which are attempts to say, I'm going to quote some scripture badly and out of context. I'm going to quote some scripture to justify my behavior and my attitude. Now, Jesus did say that. Jesus did say, don't judge or you too will be Judge, but what did he mean and what was the context in which he said that? So we're going to read that for ourselves in Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 1. I might have said Matthew 12 before. I meant to say Matthew 7, 1 through 12. And let's stand together for the reading of God's word, as is our habit here at Bethany Church. Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 1, says Jesus speaking. And he says this, do not judge others and you will not be judged. 
for you will be treated or judged as you treat or judge others. And the standard or measure you use in judging is the standard or measure by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's or your brother's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend or your brother, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see the log past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you'll see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Verse 6, don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls and then they will turn and attack you. Verse 7, Keep on asking, and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you'll find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. To everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Verse 9 says, You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? Just what we sang about today. Verse 12 finally says this. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the Law and the Prophets. Thank the Lord for His Word. Let's be seated together. Life in the Kingdom of God is really... um, it's really full of surprises. There's a lot of surprises in God's kingdom. Um, full of the unexpected. Things like, hey, if someone strikes you one cheek, turn the, turn the other cheek as well. That's an unexpected thing that, that Jesus would say. Or he, Jesus also said, in this, we just covered this over the last several weeks, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the poor in spirit. Those are unexpected, backwards things to say. Right? Not what you'd expect. Or how about this one? Anyone who just looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his heart. Whoa. Right? Or what about this? You are the light of the world. Wait, what? What? We're the light? Jesus, you're the light. No. Jesus said, you're the light. How can that be? That's unexpected. That's a surprise. That's an upside down way of seeing things. And the kingdom is full of upside down surprises, including in the way we treat people. Right in the in the kingdom of God, we get to surprise people with kindness, with mercy, with non-judgmentalism. I, I, you know, surprises can be can be bad or good, but I, I love it when they're good. Now, as a as a young person, a youth child, I wonder if you ever got called into the principal's office. Anybody want to admit that you got called in the principal's office for something? Really, I am in a family of saints here. Incredible. Um, well, I did. And I think it was in the fifth grade. I got called in. I knew I was in trouble. I was a typically pretty good kid, so it was terrifying. Didn't help that it was for getting into a fight on the playground. And, and I, I got beat up by a fourth grader. I mean, I grew up in a family. We did not throw punches. And so I did not learn how to... You know, my family was tickle fights. Not fist fights. Um... Anyway, I, it was, that was a terrible experience, right? But then in my junior year in high school, I remember getting called into the principal's office again and expecting trouble, thinking, oh, this, what have I done? I, you know, I was in student government. I was a good kid. Like, but I assumed I'm in trouble. Something's happened. I'm in trouble. I get there. It was for some kind of, you know, what turned out to be meaningless award. But, it, you know, it was, it was nice to be surprised by good news. 
Right? We don't always get that. Now, as a follower of Jesus, you, if, you, if you've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ right, for salvation, you have received God's grace. Right? Saving grace. And God's grace is the ultimate in the unexpected. The ultimate in the surprise. Because you trusted Jesus Christ for salvation when you realized, I can't save myself. I, I'm, not, I'm not good enough on my own to meet God's standard of perfect righteousness. I, don't have, I can't do that no matter how hard I try. And so you receive that. So you receive God's grace when you admitted that. But God, you know, we didn't deserve anything, but God quite unexpectedly right, made this way for us to be saved. He sent Jesus Christ, His Son. Right? Lived a perfect sinless life for us. Went to the cross with all our sin. He died in our place. Took all the punishment for our sin. And rose again. He revealed the very essence of who the Father is. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Right? And in that process of extending or offering us salvation, which we didn't earn or deserve, we see that God does the unexpected. It's a surprising thing. Romans 3.22 says it this way, that we are made right in God's sight, By placing our faith in Jesus Christ. We're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Romans 3, 22. You know that it's in the context of Paul talking about how how we all need salvation and salvation has been made available to all. You know, the very next verse in that passage says, For we've all sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard. That's a given. That's That's an understood thing. But we're made right not by hard work. Not by really trying hard. We're made right by faith in Jesus Christ. That's... That's a surprise. That's unexpected. It's backwards. I love how the Apostle Paul expresses it. Talking about the great kindness of God in Romans chapter 2, verse 4. He says this, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that His kindness is intended to turn you from sin? Or His kindness leads us to repentance? God's kindness does that. And because God's been kind to you and to me, that is, if, if we've, in fact, accepted forgiveness and new life in, in, in Christ, if, because God's been kind to us, it's upon us to then extend that same kindness to others so they may also receive the saving grace of God. You know, a few weeks ago we said that one of the, or I think it was last week, we said that one of the criticisms that, that Christians endure is like, oh, you're all a bunch of hypocrites. Well, one of the, another one of the things that people sometimes say, well, you're so judgmental. And in a way, that, that's often been true. That's often been true, right? I, I mean, how easy it is, like those pictures I showed at the beginning, how easy it is to look at someone and just judge based on their, their habits or, you know, how they look. You know, I was at, at City Fest yesterday. I'm in the big crowd of people. And so I'm, you know, I'm, there's lots of downtime. I'm people watching a lot. I love that. I mean, just... And it surprises me how often I sort of catch myself with that attitude of like, why would they do that? Why would they, you know, dress like that? Why, you know, where, where are the parents? You know, that, that's a classic one. Where are the parents? You know, some little kids running around getting into trouble. It's so easy to fall into that kind of trap of judgmentalism, sort of, sort of kind of a superiority almost. And so that's not what we're to be. We're to be agents of God's kindness. So I want to talk about, out of this passage, four ways that we can be an agent of God's kingdom kindness. So if you're following along in your, in your uh, you know, outline this in your program today, you can fill in the blanks as we go. 
along. Now, as I mentioned, people love verse 1, right? Well, don't judge me, they say. Don't judge me, right? But I'm, I'm wondering, like, can we really not say anything to somebody? Are we really not allowed to, like, point out anything at all to someone? Can we, you know, surely we could correct a person that's, you know, obviously disobeying God and going their own way. Well, yes, we can, uh, but there's some kind of warnings in that, right? First, you want to keep in mind, Jesus is talking about the relationship between believers. So we're talking about conversations between believers, not between a believer and an unbeliever. So Paul talks about this in first later. On, you'll see that Apostle Paul talks about in first Corinthians chapter five. He says, hey, you can judge one another because he's talking about helping each other come out of sin. But you're not to judge anyone outside the family of faith. You, you can't put someone who's not a believer under the expectation of the standards of what God's doing. So just let that alone. That's not for you to do. So we're talking about relationships between believers. But the other thing I would, I would say is that when we draw a conclusion about a person's character or about their motives, right, based on what we observe, based on what we see about them, when we draw that kind of conclusion where they're judge and we're like passing a, passing a, a verdict and a sentence on them, that's the kind of judging we're talking about here. And we somehow see ourselves as you know, superior to them. Well, when we do that, we open ourselves to the same kind of scrutiny. Let me give you an example. You know how I love using examples or illustrations out of Fresno traffic. So let me, let me talk about this for a moment. Um, I've noticed a lot of red light runners lately. You know, you're at the, you're at the, you're at the tra- stoplight and the light, your light goes green and then whoosh, one more vehicle goes through. Right? It's crazy in this town. This town's getting really bad. But it's one of the reasons why I don't ride motorcycle anymore because I just feel like I see it all the time. And, you know, anytime I see that, um, I just, you know, I, I, I'll just be honest with you. I confess that I'll say something like, unbelievable. I mean, what is the matter with this? These are such stupid drivers. What is their problem? Right? And then, you know, just, you know, like, where's the cops? You need a, you need a cop right now. Right? You, you've gone through all that. And then the, the best thing, the most satisfying is, and then if you, if you happen to be at that traffic light beside someone else in traffic and you look over and you do the, like, can you believe what just happened? Oh, I tell you, I've done that, and it feels so good. It's just like, we agree, that person was an idiot. We will, you know, we are the court of approval or disapproval at this moment. I just, you know, it's like, yeah, I can't, can you believe it? And then you just drive off, you know, it's just a little smug, like, I did not run a red light, right? I'm somehow a little better. Now, here's the thing. If, um, if you ask my sons, who have driven around with me, they will tell you, that at least once, maybe more than once, their beloved father has, in fact, run a red light. Not on purpose, mind you, right? Somewhat absent-mindedly, as I'm prone to be, and by God's mercy have not hurt anyone or, or been hurt myself. But before I say, oh, those stupid drivers, I better be ready, right, to admit that I'm guilty as well. So... I'm placing myself under the same judgment. Is it wrong to run a red light? Of course it is. Right? To not judge someone isn't to say they didn't run the red light. We're not denying what happened. To not judge someone isn't, isn't saying, well the, well, the red light is a matter of subjective morality at this point. Right? It, it's conditional. Depends on what kind of red you interpret that to be. 
Um, I, last week, how many of you were here last week when you saw my picture of my crashed truck? Did anybody, did anybody remember that picture? I'm going to go ahead and just finish the rest of the story on that. It was Becky that was driving and she was hit by someone who insisted that the light was blue. English wasn't her first language. She insisted the light was blue. So we weren't sure. Did she mean it was red or green? We didn't know. She insisted the light was blue. And that's why she went through the thing and crashed into my dear wife in the vehicle. I almost said crashed into my truck. But of course, it was more important. That <laughs> first year of marriage. It's a little bit of a test. Do I love my wife or my truck? Some of you guys are still deciding that. Where was I? All right. That red light is objective, verifiable, absolute truth. So it's not for me then to judge another person's motives or their character, you know, effectively placing them under condemnation. Unless I'm willing to be under the same verdict and the same sentence that I pass them. So did they do wrong? Yes. Can I observe it and point it out? Maybe. Can I pass judgment on their character and motives? No. Not my place. Not my privilege to do. When we're, again, we're talking about these relationships. Now, maybe we could say it this way. If we're going to be agents of kindness, God's kindness, kingdom kindness, we need to be more merciful than expected. If you're filling in blanks, you can write that word. Be more merciful than expected. And I wonder if we could do that. Right? Could I, can we hold our tongue? Can we refrain from the raised eyebrows and the rolled eyes and the crossed arms and the condescending comments? Can we do that? Because it's really easy to complain and really easy to criticize and almost a little bit fun sometimes. There's like a kind of satisfying to mock and to tease a little bit, right? And, um, you know, you put others down. You're just, you're just joking, but, but it's easy to do that. And you may have friends, for example, who, you know, comment on, you know, Facebook posts and they're, they're sarcastic and they're cutting in their, in their, their words and, and they're calling people names. That's not good. That's not healthy. That's, it's not kind. It's not godly. And it does not represent your heavenly father. So this does apply inside the church and outside. This is kind of a general practice that we want to be more merciful than expected because when I criticize, I better be ready for criticism. You don't win friends by force. You don't win friends by, by acting superior to them. That's not, how, that's not how it works. It's not a win there. So just try mercy. Try mercy. Remember that Jesus said, God blesses those who are merciful for they will receive mercy. So, be more merciful than expected. Then he carries on in, in the next verses um, when he says, Now, why worry about the speck in your friend's eye or your brother's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your brother, Let me help you get rid of the speck in your eye when you can't see the past the log in your own? Hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye, then you'll see well enough to deal the speck in your friend's eye or your brother's eye. And I would say it this way, to be more self-honest than expected. Be more self-honest than expected. Like, don't, don't be a defensive person. You know, you talk to someone, oh, well, it, it just happened that way because. Well, I only ran the red light because it, it changed quicker than it usually does, right? Or we always, you know, some people just always have an excuse, excuse instead of just saying, 
you know what? I've got I've got problems. I need to deal with that. Um, it's the it's the thing that we think this this kind of should be obvious. This should be a no brainer to, to say, you know, if I've got a problems, I shouldn't point out other people's smaller problems. But we do it all the time. We, we like, hey, you need to work on that and not recognize our own shortcomings. It's not that we shouldn't help other people get the, the speck out of their own eye, but not until we've dealt with a big old log in our own, the big old four by four post sticking out of our face. Right? It, it, it's, it's, it's not that we can't help people. But Jesus wants you to deal with this one first. I'll just put that right there. You can see that right there. Right. Now, if you ever wonder if Jesus had a sense of humor, just remember this. This is supposed to be funny. It's a comical picture. It's a, it's a bit sarcasm. Oh, you got a, you got a log sticking out of your eye. I mean, this is supposed to be a, kind of a, a humorous image, and yet it's very sobering at the same time. I mean, think about it this way. If a smoker, right, were to t- tell you, hey, you need to stop smoking, he'd be like, Hey, I am not impressed with you right now. Right? Or if if someone who's drunk comes to you and says, "You really need to go to a a a a a you you need to go there," you'd be like, "You're a hypocrite. Get off my back." Right? So we might do the same thing. We, you know, we might point out the faults and the habits of others, and then ignore our own. Got a log sticking out of our eye. I mean, do we expect to receive grace, but don't give grace? Do we shake our head at the guy or the gal addicted to pornography while comforting ourselves with overeating? Do we call out the person who overspends, but we ourselves are ungenerous? Here's what's really amazing about this. You get rid of some planks in your eye. And that... The spec guy may watch and say, eventually say, hey, could you help me? Could you help me deal with the speck in my eye? I watched you pull that two by four, that four by four out of your face. Can you help me? And you will find yourself, as you've dealt with that, you grow in compassion yourself for the speck in the eye guy. And you grow in understanding and patience and willingness to help. And, and, and you recognize hey, you might have issues, but i got issues too. Bigger ones. So, instead of feeling judged for their faults, that person then feels loved in their faults and through their faults. One of the other criticisms sometimes people have when they kind of walk into a church is that everybody looks so perfect. I mean, you all look really good this morning. You all look handsome and beautiful and well put together and man everything seems to be working good for you when i look across this morning and if i were to walk in like man i got i got issues i got problems i don't i don't think i have a place look at all these beautiful perfect people not realizing we're all lugging around big old logs trying to figure out either how to hide them but hopefully how to pull them out of our face do you have any planks in your eye you might need to ask a friend to help you see it Hey, is there anything that's really like obvious I need to work on in my life? There might be an answer coming. It's one of the reasons why I so strongly encourage you to be part of a, of a small group, what we hear called connection groups. Be in a place where instead of rows like we're sitting here where you're in a circle 
And over time, you get to know one another and you develop some friendships and relationships to the place where you begin to trust each other and say, hey, I'm, I'm dealing with this in my life. Can you help me? Or, hey, look, we're going to read scripture together today. Can we talk about this? It's a, it's a healthy place. It takes time to develop those kind of relationships. But they're really, really helpful. And then Jesus follows all this with this kind of odd statement about pigs and pearls. He says in verse 6, Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Or more literally, it's don't give the sacred to dogs. And don't think of dogs as like friendly pets like we have. Dogs are more like at that time a little more wilder or scavengers kind of gobbling up whatever you kind of throw their way. Right? It's the, kind of the image of taking the holy bread from the altar in the temple and throwing it out the back door for the dogs to eat up. That, that would be wrong, Jesus says. Don't throw your pearls to the pigs. They'll trample the pearls and then turn and attack you. Kind of an, kind of an odd statement. I'm not quite sure how it relates. Unless Jesus is saying, look, pearls are, are something precious and you give, a, you give pearls to the one you love. And you give it to them because you know they'll appreciate it. And that they'll be thankful for it. And so when you're sharing good news or even good advice or good insights that you have into something, I think Jesus is saying, don't waste that pearl on a person who's not receptive, who doesn't want to receive that. Don't, don't offer advice to the person who's not asking for it. That is one of the hardest things as a parent. Hard, one of the hardest things as a dad. Well, kiddo, you just need to do this, this, and this. I'm not ready for it. can't tell you the number of times you know, I've made those mistakes. Don't lecture somebody with God's laws if they're not in a place to look for it and receive that. Don't, don't, don't throw what's precious to those that aren't, aren't going to receive it. All right, so we're talking about being an agent of kingdom kindness. We want to be more, um, you know, more merciful than expected and more self-honest than expected. But we also want to be more kingdom-seeking than expected. We're kingdom seeking. What does that mean? Well, um, you know, verses seven and on, he, he says this, right? Um, keep on asking, you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, you'll find. Keep on knocking, the door will be open to you. Everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. Everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. More kingdom seeking. Well, here's a little problem I have with this because if God is a good father, loves to give good gifts to his children, right? He's generous and gracious. Why do we have to keep on asking? Why do we have to keep on seeking? Why do we have to keep on knocking on the door? I mean, Jesus even says, look, you imperfect fathers, you know how to give good gifts. He says, if your child, if your child asks for a fish, my children have never asked for fish, right? If your child asks for a fish, do you, do you give them a, a, a snake? No. You give them good gifts, what they ask for. Okay, and, and God's a much better father. So what's going on here? I think this is a pretty deep comment about our relationship with the Heavenly Father. But it could be that asking with persistence is, is actually for our benefit. It's part of deepening our ability to trust God whether or not things go our way. And how many times have you actually asked for something that you really wanted only to receive it and realize that it really isn't what you wanted after all? Think of those Christmas presents you received or gave. That sit on a shelf somewhere. Or some other thing. It's easy to ask without really knowing what we want. Now Jesus doesn't explicitly tell us what we're asking for. He just says, ask and you'll receive. But what are we asking for, Jesus? 
Everything in this passage so far has been about the kingdom of God. Jesus taught us in his prayer, uh, Lord, let your kingdom come and let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. So we're, we're, we're praying in keeping with what Jesus is telling us to ask for. Lord, let your way of doing things take place here. Let your authority be empowered here. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. We're asking. We're seeking. We're knocking. And it's in that asking, seeking, and knocking that we get acquainted with our Heavenly Father. We get to know Him. Because most of us, if you're like me, you want the answer. You want the gift. Now, you don't want to have to put up with all the asking and the seeking and the knocking. But in that time of waiting, we can really be shaped for good. Or if we let our heart get sour and hard for, for, for the worse kind of getting bitter toward God. But we can become better, kinder, more patient uh, people as we are learning to wait on God. And really grapple with, what am I actually asking for? God, I thought I wanted this, but actually what I'm asking for right now, you know, a crazy experience. When I, I was talking to our friend Ron Coop this week, I said, Ron, how do you want us to pray? He, He didn't ask for himself. He asked for other people. I'm like, what? What? That's not what I expected. That's what happens when you're growing in your relationship with God. One thing that I ask God for, one thing that I, I seek for and that I knock for personally is for God to bring renewal to our church, revival to this place. That this church, that Bethany Church will become a place where, where people who are far from God will find their way into the grace and truth of Jesus Christ to follow Him together. That's what I ask for. I, I, I seek for that, that you and I we become better at, at being inviters. We become bolder proclaimers of the good news of Jesus Christ. That we would care less and less for, and dare I say it, less and less for the things that, that aren't really that important. Right? Things like Sweebach and dress code. Right? And song choices and favorite programs and classes. Those things that are so precious and and instead care more and more about getting the gospel to people who really need it. Not that those things aren't great, but I want to care more about the things that God cares about. I long for Bethany Church to become, like it says right behind me, fully alive in Christ. To be, for that to be so true for each one of us. That's just irresistible. We just can't help telling people. That's what I'm asking God in my own life. God, would you do that work in my own life? And we become such a life-giving place. And, and I'll just be honest. I, I don't think we're there yet. And we'll never be fully there yet. But my desire is that God would do more of that in us. Starting with me. Starting with all of us. And I, I believe that if you'll seek that with me, you'll see us become a, a more attractive, a, a, a kinder you know, place of kingdom kindness, a, a life-giving group of people for for God's kingdom. Well, now that I said that about Svebach, I don't know. I better finish. Let's go on to verse 12. The golden rule. Right? We're agents of kindness when we can be more generous than expected. Verse 12 says, Do to others what you'd like them to do to you. And that's the essence of all that's taught in the law. And the prophets. When my when my boys were were young, 
I use this on them all the time. Hey, do for your brother as you'd have him do for you. And somehow it seems that in their young minds, they interpreted that to mean that they only needed to do what the brother had done for them. And that they were allowed to do to the brother what the brother had done to them. Right. Or that they would only do for the brother if the brother would do back in return the same thing. That's not what Jesus says. That's not the message. Jesus does not say do unto others so that they'll do unto you. Or do not do unto others as they have done. You do unto others as you would have them do for you. It actually wasn't that new of a concept that Jesus was introducing, but it's the first time we have a recording of it being shared in a positive spin. Do for others as you'd have them do for you. Because if I say, well, do unto others so that they'll do them for you, that's not generosity. That's a transaction, right? The, the golden rule is... Is, is an invitation into generosity. A transaction is just, I'll give you $5 and you give me a hamburger. That's a transaction. There's no generosity in that. But this is different. Do for others as you'd have them do for you, whether or not they do the thing in return. Whether or not they'll ever do the thing in return. Remember I said it's an unexpected, kind of upside-down kingdom? Without getting paid back, getting your way, getting re- paid back in return, honestly doesn't matter. The kindness to others does matter. And why does it matter? It matters because Jesus did for us, not as we deserve, but as he desired to do. We, we receive grace not because we're good, but because God is good. We, we can be forgiven not because we earned it, but because we can't earn it and God gives it. It's the free gift of salvation. God did what we don't deserve and what we couldn't earn, right? Because He loves you and He wants you to be saved. God gives that gift because He loves you and wants you to be saved by trusting in Him. I was, I was, um, I was just surprised yesterday at, at City Fest. I, so my job yesterday and again today will be like I'm there to collect the comment cards that the prayer ushers pray with people and then they I turn them in and, and I just got a glance over a lot of cards and a high number of people listed a home church and yet they're making res- salvation responses. And I, I was reminded again that just because someone's been in church, just because you've been in church for years and years and years, doesn't mean to say you've ever actually come to that place of trusting Jesus Christ for forgiveness to be forgiven for your sin, to experience new life in Christ, and have a relationship with God as the Lord and leader of your life. It's a pretty amazing thing. So, even this week, even this week, could you do for others as you'd have them do for you? Could you do for others as you'd have them do for you? And maybe it's like, do for others as you'd have them do for you if you were in their shoes. Right. So if you were a missionary, what would you want done for you? Would it be prayer support, financial support, help in some way? What if you were your spouse? What would you want from you if you were your spouse, those of you who are married, right? Would you want a compliment, some help, some encouragement, a break? What if you were your boss? What would you want from you if you were your boss? Better effort? What if you were your employee? What would you want from you? More reasonable demands? 
and it, a raise. I mean, right? Do for others as you'd have them do for you. What, what if you were your son or daughter? Would you want more connection and understanding? What if you were your parents? Would you want more communication and respect? Could you do for others as you'd have them do for you? We're, we're different from the people around us. Because we're children of God. We're citizens of the kingdom of heaven. We have a different identity. And because God has been so rich in kindness, we can be rich in kindness to others as well. We give that forward to others. So this week, I would, just, I would challenge you. Can you be unexpected? Can you be more merciful than expected? Can you be more self-honest than expected? Can you be more kingdom-seeking than expected? Can you be more generous than expected? Take somebody by surprise this week in a really good way. Could you do that? Could you do that? Because you're extending the kindness of God when you do. It's an amazing thing that happens. Let's pause to pray. God, we're grateful that you have been generous and kind with us. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it, but you've been generous to us. You've extended your free gift of grace. And Lord, some of us need to be reminded that that you've done that for us. And I just thank you for reminding me again this week. God, you've been gracious that in spite of my sin, in spite of my shortcomings, you've loved me and extended your kindness and grace to me. God, we want to, as we head into a fresh week, God, we want to be people who extend in unexpected ways, your kindness to others so that they will experience your kindness that leads them to repentance, to salvation in you. And church, I I just want to give you this opportunity. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, but if you've never given your life to Christ, if you've never come to that place of receiving God's forgiving grace, it's not hard. You, do, you, just, you begin by, it's, it's, a, it's a prayer, and it's, it's yielding yourself to God. You just say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died for my sin. That you rose again. And that one day you'll return. I receive your forgiveness today. And I choose to follow you, Jesus. As the Lord and the leader of my life. Amen.